Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Basement Breakdown. My name is Hayden Adams. I'm the sports editor at The Observer, joined today by senior sports writers Charlotte Edmonds and Ellen Geyer, here to talk Notre Dame's 31-17 win over North Carolina and their upcoming matchup with the Syracuse Orange. Uh, first home game in December since... I want to say 2001 or three, something like that. Um, but before we get into that one, we'll recap North Carolina. Um, and since Ellen was covering that game virtually, uh, we'll let her take it away. Yeah. So, I mean, this game seemed like it was going to be Notre Dame's second hardest game on their schedule this year. North Carolina has been in and out of the top 25 since the preseason rankings. And it did prove to be a, a close game at the beginning um, until the Irish really took off with it. Um, there's not too much from my perspective to complain about from this game. I mean, everyone's shown, the defense shown, the second half adjustments on, on the defensive side, um, the first half performance from the offense. Ian Book, Kyron Williams really looked great. Um, Book in particular. Um, and that it was just it was just a great day on both sides of the ball. So so Williams had three touchdowns. The other one was Scourneck. Um, John Doerr had one field goal, missed one, um, but really up and down the field, especially those second half adjustments from the defense um, were, were key. So big days from Drew White. Um, Maris LaFowl got some some more minutes. Um, as always, Jeremiah Usukormoa um, was a standout for the Irish. Um, so yeah, I think a lot, a lot of good takeaways from that, that win. Irish are now nine and zero. Ian Book looked like he was back in old form with seventy percent completion rate. So that was a big win over nineteen North Carolina. All right, couple of points to hit on this game. Number one, how freaked out were you when Kyle Hamilton got ejected for targeting? Freaked out. Charlotte. Yeah, that caused some anxiety, especially considering how that game at that point was not really going the way I think most of us had hoped it would. So that was just an added. It felt like it was the um, kind of like an avalanche of things going wrong. Turned out to be all right. And everyone came out unscathed. But and it was also a, it was a hard hit. He also looked like he kind of saw stars. So hopefully he's back and healthy and all is well. But definitely a scary, scary play. Uh, second point, Ian Book uh, on the bad snap on the goal line somehow rolls out, escapes, passes to Kyron Williams for a touchdown. Thoughts? I mean, I, I have been a hater for as long as Ian Book has been a starter, and I have to say that I, I don't know if it was covering that game. I don't know if it's finals being over. I don't know if it's just like finally – Ian Book seeming to me like a top-tier quarterback, but, like, I, I'm, I'm all in. I think he was fantastic in that game. Like, his athleticism, just, like, really watching the athletic plays that he made. Like, the, the deep – some of the deep balls to Javon McKinley, like, that play that you just mentioned, Hayden, with the errant snap where he recovered it and made a play of it. Um, and then there were even a couple – there was one play – where he like scrambled out of the pocket and held it for maybe like 10 seconds before Kyron Williams like streaked wide and he just gave him a little pop. Um, just like, I, I don't know. I thought it was great. Ian Book looked like, a, this is, might be too harsh. I don't mean it that way. I actually think he played really well. He kind of looked like a Walmart Johnny Manziel. Like he had some of the, he had some of those looks. He had that 
crazy scramble to uh, Michael Mayer that gave me so much anxiety. All right, that's, that's the next play. Flips First, he flips it to Ben Skoranek for a, a pretty short gain. And then a little bit later, just the most ridiculous, like, screw it. He's down there somewhere, just flicks it, to, and Mayer makes the catch. Um, yeah, it's backyard football, turkey bowl football, as Ellen described in her postgame rap um, and column. Uh, yeah, Ian Book's on a whole different level. Who would have thought after the Michigan game and even after the Virginia Tech game last year that this is where he would be? Um, Charlotte, I'm sorry I interrupted. Do you finish your thought on Book? No, that was basically it. Uh, I, I'll take it. Um, it it worked. I'm not sure. I think I think we all know he has the principled, like, stay in the pocket thing down. So if he wants to get a little creative against North Carolina, that's fine. It worked out. Um, I hope to see a little bit more of that against Syracuse, but also a few, a little bit less anxiety driving plays because that game I think was, it was exactly how I imagined it to be a close, you know, two touchdown game, but um, it definitely was never out of reach of the Tar Heels. So. I mean, two two touchdowns on their first two drives, and then in the second half, minus an All-American at free safety, this defense holds North Carolina scoreless. First scoreless half of football for any Mac Brown coach team and held North Carolina to season lows of yards and points. First time that they have not – first loss they've had since Mac Brown took back over – um, last season that North Carolina has lost by more than a touchdown. Um, just just incredible. And on the topic of the defense and Clark Lee, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into the college football scene. But uh, first, I'm going to preview Syracuse. Um, looking at it now, this is not the first home game in December since 2003. It is the first December game for the Notre Dame in the regular season since 2003 when they played at Syracuse and lost 38 to 12. Uh, times have changed a lot since then. And uh, to get into that, uh, let Charlotte start by talking about the Syracuse offense. Yeah. So um, before I, I will say, I don't know if anyone had checked the weather, but I was looking at the weather and it's actually supposed to be snowing in South Bend on Saturday. So I think we'll be getting the full December effect getting to watch that game. Um, but moving on to Syracuse, I remember I was at the game at Yankee Stadium two years ago when Syracuse was on the up and up, felt like it ended up being a 36-3 routing, but they had a lot of promise. fact is that is not the same team. They are one and nine, I believe, this season. Um, really struggled, really struggled to put points on the board in, in regards to the offense. They've scored over 21 points I think on two occasions and both times it was just barely so they are not this is although they did they did put up 37 on Georgia Tech I think okay maybe so they put up 29 last week but otherwise they have really struggled to put significant points on the board um and they their offense kind of boils down to really three main players from each of the past passing receiving and rushing positions so their main rusher is Sean Tucker, he has recorded 550, 525 yards this season. Um, he's their primary ball carrier. He next closest attempts is uh, Cooper Lutz, who has 36 carries on the season. But you can expect Sean Tucker to be carrying the ball the majority of the time. Um, Rex Culpepper is in 
kind of is the quarterback at the helm of this team. So um, he will be, sorry, my computer is glitching, um, but he will definitely be, he's a redshirt senior. He'll definitely be the guy that kind of runs this offense. However, Tommy DeVito, their backup quarterback has appeared in four games. He's recorded, uh, let's see, five to 93 yards, passing yards this season. So he'll definitely be one to probably get some looks depending on how this game goes on. And then once again, on the receiving core, Taj Harris is their primary receiver. He's missed one game this season, but otherwise he leads the team with 664 yards. Uh, they've got two other receivers that are, that do um, have recorded over 300 yards, but otherwise this is a pretty thin offensive unit with only a handful of weapons. Yeah. Um, although do want to highlight um, a couple things. Tommy DeVito, I believe replaced um, Dungy, I think was the quarterback's name in 2018 when he got knocked out against Notre Dame, um, did not do much against them. And Culpepper, um, a really a great story for him. He was diagnosed with uh, testicular cancer back in 2018, um, beat that, and then came and, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't think it was the season opener. Maybe it was against Pittsburgh, and he threw a touchdown pass, and it was a really cool moment, um, trended on social media a little bit. So, obviously, you know, easy guy to root for in that regard, having overcome what he has. Um, but yeah, like you said, the offense has still struggled a lot this year. Um, and uh, the defense really isn't much different. They are very bad in a lot of respects. They give up 31.5 points per game to opponents. Um, that's, I believe, 64th, tied for 64th in the country. Uh, they give up 4.3 yards per carry and 201.7 rushing yards per game. And their passing defense isn't any better. They give up 251.8 yards through the air, 7.49 yards per attempt, and uh, 453.5 yards allowed per game. That's 104th in the FBS. Uh, they're 110th in third down defense at 47.47% allowed um, allowance on third downs. And uh, they give up 66% on fourth down, which is tied for 98. They win their time of possession battle on average by like 36 minutes to 24 minutes. Um, only way I can imagine that is the case is because their offense is or their defense is so bad that teams score very rapidly on them and then their offense gets it back and stalls. So they do have a couple of players, Mickel Jones and Garrett Williams. Uh, both have multiple uh, interceptions on the year. Williams has seven pass breakups. Um, the team has forced 12 fumbles and recovered 10, although opponents just seem to be loose with the ball against them because there have been 10 more fumbles that they didn't force that opponents just coughed up. And then um, there are eight players with an interception and 14 with a sack, but no more than the most any player has is three players have three sacks. So they're not getting to the quarterback. They're not, you know, making the plays that they really need to on defense, not creating havoc plays. Um, it's it's going to be a struggle for them on both sides of the ball, it looks like, and there's not really any other way to say it. Um, but with that, we will move on and talk a little bit about the college football scene. Uh, Ellen's laughing at me. I don't know what else to say. I don't know how to transition. So, uh, the clapping emoji. Oh, just popped off there, Hayden. You deserve it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. No, I really, 
never apologize. <laughs> I didn't see that. On Zoom. We're. I just wrote down a bunch of stats. I don't. I. That's my. That's my preview because Aiden's not here to do the defense as usual. Um. So yeah, with that, we'll talk a little bit more about college football, and I'll throw it to Ellen for that. Yes. So not super exciting this weekend in college football. The biggest matchup is um in the Big Ten, number twelve Indiana at number sixteen Wisconsin. Um, and those are pretty much the besides Northwestern and Ohio State, like those are the two most competitive teams in the Big Ten this year. Um, so that'll be the biggest game of the weekend. Other than that, um, uh, number five Texas A&M is at number twenty-two Auburn. Um, they fell in what was not a very exciting Iron Bowl last week um, to Alabama. So um, they're that will be like the, the next biggest ranked matchup that's going on this weekend. Other than that, um, Notre Dame obviously has Syracuse, which should ideally be a pretty cupcake game. Um, and then number three, Clemson is at Virginia Tech, number one, Alabama at LSU, who has sadly fallen very far from grace um, since what they were at the height of the Joe Burrow era. Um, and then number four, Ohio State is at Michigan State. Um, so I think at this point, then with the games that remain, there's none that are super, super intense. Um, but like we were talking about before the podcast got started, the most interesting thing to consider moving forward will be whether these Big Ten teams can get enough games in to qualify for, A, their conference tournaments and, or their conference championships, and B, the college football playoff. Um, and then secondly, how you rank like a 7-0 and team against a 10-0 and or 11-0 and um, team. So, you know, a compelling argument I saw was the fact that like the Pac-12, even if someone went seven and zero, they were only playing seven games, and in Notre Dame's eighth game of the year against Boston College, Jarrett Patterson breaks his foot and is out for the year. Like you don't, they don't have as much opportunity to showcase themselves, and they also don't have as much opportunity to experience the types of losses that some of these teams do. Um, as you alluded to at the Big Ten, it's going to be difficult to see. What happens there, ironically enough, it looks like Ohio State and Wisconsin will be playing in their second-place interdivisional game at the end of the year where while Indiana and uh, Northwestern will be playing in the championship, that is assuming that Ohio State has to cancel another game because of their COVID outbreak. Um, Ryan Day tested positive, obviously wish him a speedy recovery. Um, Texas A&M did not look good against LSU last weekend. LSU is about the worst defending national champion there's ever been um and yeah I mean do you guys see any way that the Big Ten or even the Big 12 I think Iowa State's one lost team right now could theoretically like is there any way any team from either of those conferences could make the college football playoff and for what it's worth we missed um since we recorded last week Notre Dame has been named number two in the college football playoff poll so um, is you guys see any any sort of scenario there? You're asking if we think anyone from the Big 12 could get in? Or Big 10. Have we ruled out that Northwestern's just a pipe dream and that it's all going to come come? Well, they just, they, they just lost to Michigan State, so I think they're out. I think any one-loss Big 10 team is out because they don't have enough games. But maybe that's just me. I would agree with that. I mean, can Ohio State make it even if they're in the second place game in the Big Ten? 
because they would be undefeated, but the rule is you have to play six games to make the Big Ten championship unless the average number of games played by every team drops below six, which means like all but one game has to be canceled in throughout the entire conference for like the next two weeks. It's Ohio State and things are really bad around the country that I actually think that could happen. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to say Ohio State's going to find a way to get into the Big Ten Championship. Ellen, you're the resident Ohioan. What's Ohioan? What's your take on it? Yes, I will say, like, it's really bad in Ohio right now. But also, I think that Ohio State is going to do absolutely everything in their power to make sure that they make the playoff. Um, so, but if if we're assuming that they're not going to make it because – their game is going to get canceled. I think that for at this point, a game getting canceled would be because the other team canceled because I think Ohio State itself is going to just, like, be like, all right, nope, we understand what the reality is and, like, whatever it takes, like, whether or not that's following the right protocol or not, I kind of think that they're probably just going to, like, strong-arm the NCAA and say, like, we're ready to play. Um, so I think that Ohio State will play – and so if a game get canceled, gets canceled not because of Ohio State, then that means that things are bad enough around the entire conference, theoretically, that, like, that, num that average number of games would drop below um, whatever the median is, whatever that rule you were explaining is, Hayden. Um, so, but I don't know. That's just my – Would you put it past the Big Ten as a conference to change the rules for Big Ten, like – Big Ten championship participation just so that Ohio State can, like, represent the conference in the playoff? Uh, absolutely not. I think the Big Ten would totally do that. Like, I, I mean, when's the last time Ohio State didn't make the Big Ten championship? So. And as Charlotte said, it would be very funny to see Michigan, out of just pure spite, say we're not going to play Ohio State just so they don't have enough games to make the Big Ten championship. Although at that point, I, I got to give Ellen credit for that. That was her. her oh, okay. Because <laughs> that was his hot take. So. His hot take. My dad. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's. Uh, that'd be hilarious to see. At that point, though, I think the conference would step in and, and change some things. Um, so that, before we move on, just want to throw one more sort of thing out there. Now that the first cultural playoff poll has come out. Uh, Alabama was number one, Notre Dame two, Clemson three ahead of Ohio State at number four, and then Florida or Texas A&M at five, Florida at six because A&M has the head-to-head -head win. Um, just want to ask you guys what you think the most likely scenario is for the, the college football playoff. Two ACC teams get in, two SEC teams get in. Both of those things happen or we have like four different conferences. Georgia has two losses, right? Yes, they lost to Alabama and Florida. So I think I'm going to say two ACC. I'm going to say Notre Dame and Clemson because um, I think at this point, I mean, knock on wood, but even if Notre Dame loses in the conference championship, to me it kind of seems like they have made a pretty convincing case that they should make it, granted that they – Granted, they beat Syracuse and Wake Forest. Um, and then in terms of Clemson, 
I, I mean, if Clemson, if Clemson loses in the conference championship, then I think they might be out. Um, I'm not entirely sure. It probably depends if it's a close game or not. Um, but I think it's really likely that two ACC teams will end up in, um, especially given that Notre Dame and Clemson played, obviously, when Trevor Lawrence was out. Um, but since Notre Dame is second right now, I think that makes it seem like they'd make it even if they lost. I like how when you said knock on wood, you hit your head. That was – Yeah. I don't know. That's just my, what my family does. So, Charlotte, what do you think? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. I don't see any way that SEC gets two teams in. Um, I mean, what if Florida – Florida's one loss if they beat Bama in the SEC title game. Like, Bama's got to get in, right? Like, How likely is that? I know it's not likely. I'm just saying, like, that is that is plausible. I mean, is there any way that, like – One loss – to A&M, which is somehow ranked, still ranked fifth. I guess they have the head-to-head, but A&M lost big to Alabama. It's, there's a big drop-off in the SEC. Fair. So. I mean, I could. I think, you know, you could arguably say it's more likely that A&M gets in than Florida because they don't have to play Alabama a second time. Like, maybe they just – assuming like, maybe Notre Dame beats Clemson, knocks Clemson out of the playoff because they have two losses. And then I think, I think for A and M to get to get in, they have to win big these next two games. They're, I mean, granted, maybe style points don't matter to the committee, but they certainly have not done. They've squeaked out wins, and they lost big to Alabama. Um, odds Cincinnati gets in. Ellen, you're wearing a Cincinnati sweatshirt, aren't you? Yeah, I am, but absolutely no chance. I would say that is. Hopefully, Mike Young doesn't listen to this podcast. Because um, I think that would crush his dreams, but I just think there's no chance that I, I just don't see that happening unless the next whatever two three weeks are an absolute dumpster fire, um, which it could be, which it could be, which we have seen the whole season. So yeah. All right, that's that's it for our college football scene discussion, uh, Charlotte. Before we get into everyone's favorite segment, Factor Fiction. Give us a look at uh, what, what's going on in some other Notre Dame sports. Yeah, so Notre Dame men's basketball started out their brutal first half of the season, lo- lo- losing by 10 to Michigan State. Um, at one point, the lead was as large as 28, so I guess a 10-point loss, you'll take that. Um, it's clearly a group that that's going to be led by juniors. No seniors on the team. There's um, Juwan Durham's a graduate student, but – uh, Prentice Hub, Nate Lashevsky. Did I say that correctly? It's like, um, it's like Mike Shashevsky. That's what I, it, that always throws me off. But um, Dane Goodwin and then Cormac Ryan made his debut. He went four for seven from beyond the arc, I think. Maybe three for seven. Um, I think Hub, Hub did, I think. Four, Hub was four for eight. I think, no, I think Hub, Ryan was just three for 12. Prentice Hub was four for 11 from three. And Cormac Ryan, I think, was like, three for seven or three for eight, but they're definitely, um, it's a classic Notre Dame team, live or die by the three-point line. And on the flip side of that, Michigan State has a much, they were just too deep. They had seven players with five points or more. They've got a deep bench and it was too much for Notre Dame, but they've got two games against um, Western Michigan and Western Michigan's Wednesday, Fort Purdue, Fort Wayne is Saturday. And then they've got a brutal lineup of Ohio State, Kentucky, and Duke. Um, and they take on Purdue after that. So it's going to be a long month ahead for Notre Dame basketball. Hopefully, 
Cormac Ryan looked good. They've got a few other pieces, but I think this team, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough start to the season. No question. Um, and then moving just, on. Yeah. Uh, uh, just avoid a seven, uh, no, like a 10 minute long drought of scoring and you'll be in like pretty much any game. They let Michigan State go on a 26-0 run. I mean, who? how can you do that and expect to win the game? Yeah, didn't score in the last seven minutes and 12 they seconds. They out the, the first half so poorly. So, I... here's, here's a hot take. Notre Dame men's basketball would be better if Prentice Hub rode the bench. I will absolutely jump on that. I, I, I will not jump on that. I think that you've got to let Hub make some – okay, I'm biased. He used to live in my dorm. What can I say? Look, Hub, like, he's, like, the most talented player on the team. Yes, he gets oh, out of control. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you can stay <laughs> Who is the most – wait, what? Who's the most talented? I would take any of those three other guards over him. You would think Dane Goodwin over Prentice Hub? Yeah. Prentice Hub is not good, Hayden. He's not good. He's, he's so tricky. And he's so bad. He's not bad. He was acceptable maybe his freshman year, but it's his junior year. Oh, he year. was far better last year than his freshman year. Look, well, the bar was low. So. Look, he gets out of control sometimes. He makes bad decisions. Let maybe him learn from his mistakes. He's got the highest ceiling in the yard. He does have the highest ceiling. I think he has a lot of potential. I, I think he probably could play at a higher level, more so than any of the other players in the team. I do not think he's a great floor commander he he shoots the ball a lot he doesn't have great he doesn't have good basketball sense i mean i think i was thinking about this you know bray had really good years when he i mean he had a rough year when he they first joined the acc from the big east but then they were really good in 2015 made the elite eight made the elite eight again 2016 were good in 2017 and then everything came crashing down to me it seems like what went wrong, especially with this recruiting class, is like he's recruiting ACC and he's a mix of ACC and Big East type players, but he's trying to make them play a style that just doesn't work with them. And Hub is like ACC player who do like, I feel like he'd be better at like a prototypical ACC school like North Carolina maybe than Notre Dame, at least I, like. I don't, I don't think Prentice Hub fits in to the offense. And I think he forces it a little bit too much with, with the pieces he has to work with, but I do not think he's the right guy. I agree that the team would be better off without him being the primary ball handler. I don't know if I would go that far. I think he'll, I think he'll rein it in. I think this was first game back after COVID and like, you're just kind of loose with the ball, but. I hope you're right, Hayden. I'm not convinced, but I hope you're right. Whatever. All right. Talk about the women's team. Cause we are a women's basketball school after all. Yeah. So the women's team lost by one to Ohio to start things out. Um, Dara Mabry recorded a career high 34 points in her debut for the Irish. Um, Anaya Peoples also, she had a double double, I think. Yep, double double yep. in both games. Yeah, and then against Miami, they came back and won by 20 plus. I think it was like 22. Maddie Westbelt and Destiny Walker led the way. This time, Dara Mabry was held scoreless. I have a feeling she will also be a streaky player. I think she's got a lot of upside. 34 points is nothing to scoff at. She had seven threes in her opener, set a, or tied a record that is held by her sister. Um, but I think clearly when you, when you live and die by the three, it's pretty easy for teams to shut that down, force other players to make plays, as they did. And that went against 
Miami. Um, they're both, they have been, they have a very short bench these days, um, mostly due to a lot of injuries. Sam Brunel's been out for both games due to a nagging injury, according to Neil Ivey. So um, that'll be something to watch. But, you know, they lost by one to Ohio. Hopefully that's just working out the kinks and that this team will be ready to go once the majority of their season hits. And then hockey beat Michigan twice in a back-to-back matchup. Now they take on Arizona State this week, and Swim and Dive has a meet this week. Uh, let me see. Arizona State, interesting. They're kind of like the Notre Dame football of hockey. They're an independent, and they made a deal with the Big Ten Hockey Conference um, this season to play games. Um, and, yes, there is a swim and dive meet this weekend against IUPUI and Cincinnati. Um, so, yeah, that's a look at other Notre Dame sports. Ellen, did you want to say something about the women's team? You kind of were garbled there because of Zoom. No, just uh, that was upsetting. The OU game was quite upsetting, but that's okay. Maybe it's just a rough start, so. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, With that, moving on to fact or fiction, do either of you have one ready and raring to go? All right, I'll get us started. Um, So Clark Lee's defense, uh, we didn't mention this in the college football scene. I did want to mention how uh, Vanderbilt just fired their head coach, and so a lot of people were worried that Clark Lee would become their next head coach because he played at Vanderbilt, although the, their Vanderbilt's athletic director, she said she's looking for an offensive-minded coach, and so everyone in the Notre Dame fan base breathed a sigh of relief uh, because Clark Lee's defensive coordinator, obviously. Um, but they held North Carolina scoreless last game, held them to a season low in uh, – Point in points and total yards um, did not quite meet Jimmy's standard of under 50 rushing yards as a team. Um, but my, I'm going to say fact or fiction, this Notre Dame defense holds Syracuse to under 50 yards rushing in Jimmy's honor, not being here. I will say fact because this morning I was looking at a stat that's like, I think it was it was definitely Clemson and UNC, and there might have been someone else in there that Notre Dame has held under 70 rushing yards for the entire season. And, like, that is – that kind of rush defense is hard to come by. So I think that Notre Dame's rush defense is one of the best facets of their game this year. And so I think since Syracuse is so bad, there's no way they get more than 50 yards. Agreed. I think that if they could manage North Carolina and Clemson, which have a lot more, a lot better rushers and a lot more of them, there's no reason they won't contain against Syracuse. My only thing would be, I honestly, I'm going to say fiction to it. um, Just, I guess, to play devil's advocate, because I think with it, when it comes to North Carolina and Clemson, you devote a bunch of resources because you know those guys are threats. And with Syracuse, they don't really have a established like national level threat at running back. And so they'll balance the defense a little bit more to contain the pass because they probably know that like Syracuse's only hope is to hit a big play. So I'll say that Syracuse will rush for over 50 yards. Although, only average 78 on the season in a game. That's not very many. Uh, I'll, 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 let, I'll say that they'll get some garbage time ones towards the end of the game when Notre Dame puts its subs in. Um, 
yeah. So uh, what, uh, Charlotte, do you have one? Ooh, not quite. I can come up with something. Um, Ellen, if you have one, feel free to. Yes, yes. Okay. So fact or fiction? Well, okay. So this is kind of, for context, this is kind of going back to Hayden's point that, like, maybe North Carolina, or I mean, maybe Syracuse would get more than 50 yards, not because they're good, but just because Notre Dame is conserving resources. So kind of in the same vein, for the sake of conserving resources, fact or fiction, um, Kyron Williams gets less than 12 carries this game. I'm going to say fact. Um, it's going to be cold. Like Charlotte said, it's supposed to snow. Um, when it's cold, rocks a little harder. They're not going to throw it as much, I don't think. Um, but they probably don't want to overwork Williams. Um, how many carries did he have against North Carolina for context? He had 23, 23 against North Carolina, but nine against BC. 12, 12, nine against BC, though, he was hurt. He hurt his shoulder. Um, he had against Georgia Tech, 17 against Pitt, 19 against FSU, 10 against USF, and 19 against Duke. I'm going to say over. Um, you said 10 against USF? Yes. Okay, that's – USF, like, they're not power five. That was an easy game. Like, I think Notre Dame's going to take Syracuse somewhat – I mean, they're going to take them seriously, but, like, they're going to take them seriously enough that they give Williams, I think, more than 12 carries, but they definitely do spread the wealth a little bit more with Chris Tyree. And then hopefully if Sebo Flemister is healthy enough, he'll get some carries too. Um, and – this game, Braden Lindsay is supposed to be full go, so maybe they'll give him a jet sweep or two. Um, so I, but I will still say fact, Kyra, or fiction, Kyron Williams gets more than 12 carries. So I'll agree with that. I think they're going to start being a little bit more conservative thinking long term, and um, no reason to make him, there's no reason for him to carry the ball that many times. Um, so I expect they'll get a few more players involved and it'll be around maybe nine to 10, kind of like BC, but I'll go fiction. I'll go, I'll go fact because I think that it'll be, to me, this is pretty comparable to Georgia tech and that was 15 carries. So in terms of it being cold, it being later in the season and Notre Dame now having this playoff picture more in the front of their minds, just with the rankings and stuff, I'm going to say maybe he gets right at 12. And if not 12, then I still think under 15. Um, so. Okay, I have mine. Sweet. fiction, Notre Dame records five or more sacks. How many because did they have against North Carolina? They had six against North Carolina. And so far, they're, uh, Syracuse's opponents have sacked them 37 times this season. I think this guy, this quarterback, I thought I saw he has nine touchdowns and seven interceptions. Not that that has anything to do with sacks, but he's just really bad generally. So, um, Let's see, 37 sacks on the year, 10 games. That's 3.7 sacks per game. Um, <laughs> the quick math. Yeah, well, that's easy. Um, <laughs> even, even for an exhausted physics major like me, that's easy math. Um, I'm going to say – fact if they could get to Sam Howell six times and granted it's more about like what your offensive line does but like 
if, if North Carolina, like the way they've played this year, I'm pretty confident that their offensive line is better than Syracuse's. And this defensive line is like playing at their best, like Ian Book is playing at his best. So I am going to say fact. Do you say more than five or just five or more? I'll say five or more. Yeah, fact. They get five or more sacks. I will say fact as well because I kind of just all the reasons that Hayden just said. I think in a normal course of events, I would say that this is the type of game that Notre Dame would like kind of hedge and like have a nice little pansy win and look a little bit shaky at the beginning and then like put in some random guys and then like bring in the real guys at the end and then like close it off with like two or three like score maybe. But given like what the situation is with like the rankings and how everyone's playing, I honestly think that Notre Dame is going to come out and just try to like sucker punch Syracuse in the gut right away and like put, put on the full court press and like really, really just try to like have all their best guys out there. So I think, I think back to there will be at least five sacks and I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame left in most of their guys until like midway through the third quarter, as opposed to like beginning of the third quarter, just like really put the nail in the coffin. Where do you stand on it, Charlotte? Um, I think fact too. I think the defense will come out for blood. I think they got, I don't, I actually think they played really well against a really good North Carolina offense. I think they might feel a little bit like the fact that North Carolina came out and put them on their heels early on. Um, so I think they'll come out. I think they'll hit five or six ta- uh, sacks at least. I sort of disagree with Ellen a little bit on that last point about the overall strategy. Well, she might be right. I hope they don't leave players in too long. I think it's cold. It's this point in the season. Unless it is close, there's no reason to you don't gain much by beating Syracuse by four touchdowns as opposed to three touchdowns. It doesn't mean that much, but you could lose a player to injury. So I hope that Brian Kelly doesn't get too prideful and just manage the game, take care of business. And I think they've gotten a lot better about that. They've kind of figured out how to, whether they're down or up, just understanding the task at hand. But I'll be interested to see how that plays out. All right. That's it for Factor Fiction. We're moving on to predictions to wrap this up. Um, do either one of you want to go first? Um, sure. I My prediction is kind of – I mean, I feel like we kind of hit all the points just now, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be gross. I do think that Notre Dame is going to come out hot um, just because, like Charlotte just said last week, the beginning of that game was so ugly. Like, I was extremely nervous for the first four or five drives of that game. Um, North Carolina just seemed to kind of be moving the ball at will. And if it weren't for those second-half defensive adjustments, I think the outcome could have been very different. Um, and I do think, like, as much as – as high as my praise is for Ian Book, I do think he might have gotten lucky a couple of times. Um, so, I think given that, Notre Dame will be, like, ready to just kind of take care of business early in this one um, and put it away. Um right away so my prediction is 10 to 42 um irish i think they're probably going to move the ball on the ground like you said hayden because it's going to be hard to complete passes if the weather's gross and i don't know if it's going to be windy but if it's going to be snowy it'll probably be hard to see all that good stuff 
Um, so it's just going to be much more reliable to move it on the ground, but hopefully um, they can spread the wealth a little bit, um, have a couple field opening, field opening carries from maybe Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, hopefully Sebo if he's back. Um, but yeah, 10, 42. You go, Charlotte. Um, yeah, kind of similar. I think this will play out actually very similar to how these two teams met two years ago. Um, now, granted, North Carolina's coming in with a lot less hype, but I think Notre Dame will jump out to a quick lead, won't really look back. I do think that North – it's not going to be a shutout. I think Syracuse will find a way to get some points on the board. They're not – they're still an ACC team. They still – it wasn't, wasn't too long ago that they were – a contender in the conference. So I think they'll find a way to get some points on the board, but I'm predicting 13-44. I was ready. I, I was ready to change my initial prediction that I sent you guys and, and say that Notre Dame was going to shut them out because I feel like I undersell this Notre Dame defense every single week, um, and I was ready to risk overselling them and say that they blanked Syracuse. But because it's cold, I don't see a repeat of Michigan last year. But if it is snowing, I know that's going to mess with Notre Dame because they always struggle whenever, like, weather changes, like Charlotte said or Ellen said, whoever said with the wind blowing, like, that's just going to mess them up. So I anticipate Notre Dame winning comfortably, but I do think Syracuse will get on the board in some form. So I'm going to say that Notre Dame wins this one 34-6. to six. Um, and no, Dino Babers will not have the opportunity this time around to kick a field goal as time expires in a wuss effort to avoid a shutout. So that's it for this episode of the Basement Breakdown. Thank you so much for listening. Um, on behalf of Charlotte and Ellen, my name is Hayden Adams, and we will see you all next week.